Creating your own reality. Is it possible for me? I am Jennifer Cahill, the Consciousness Architect, and I am here to tell you that it's not only possible, it's closer than you might think. Welcome to the show. Hello, friends, and thank you so much for being here for another episode of Regarding Consciousness. I'm a little bit giddy and excited to have on the show today a friend, a teacher, a mentor, the man who actually married my husband and I, Yosef Grenman, who I'll be sharing with you about here in a moment. And the reason I am so excited to have Yosef, who I sometimes may call Seppi, by the way, <laughs> that's his nickname is because of the fact that Kabbalah, as many of you have listened to me share on many of these shows, has been instrumental and transformative in my life. So I'm delighted to be able to have Seppi uh, Yosef Grunman share his wisdom today. I wanted to give you a little bit of insight into who Yosef is in the world. Yosef has been immersed in the wisdom of Kabbalah since he was a small child. He was born in Toronto, Canada, and his diverse participation in the Kabbalah Center has taken him all over the world and gives him a global view that inspires his efforts to unify people. Yosef knew that he wanted to become a Kabbalah teacher while he was still in high school. He would visit his brother David, who was a chevre at the Miami Center, every summer to study and volunteer. Drawn to the Rav and Karenberg's relentless efforts to awaken the consciousness in the world, Yosef committed himself to becoming a center teacher, a goal he achieved in 2015. As one of the new generation of Kabbalah teachers, Yosef brings an interactive sensibility to his teaching study style. He strives to make this dense ancient study clear and concise while also maintaining sensitivity to his students' needs. Yosef's many jobs and responsibilities at different Kabbalah centers around the globe inform his easy interactions with students. We've been lucky enough to get to know him when he's been in the New York Center, and of course, he's been with us here in Portugal. So, Yosef, it's such a pleasure to have you here with us. It's a pleasure to be here with you as well, Jennifer. And I think just when I heard the name of the podcast, I, I was like, who, who wouldn't want to jump on as quickly as possible to... Elevate and awaken the consciousness of ourselves and any listeners that may be connecting. Yes, thank you, Yosef. I know your wisdom has been instrumental in my life, the life of my husband, and so many students around the world, as have all of the other wonderful teachers at the Kabbalah Center. I remember about a decade ago when I was introduced to the wisdom that something is kismet or synchronistic. When two people, without knowing each other, invited me to the same Kabbalah One class in Santa Monica. And I, I was like, ah, oh, what is this Kabbalah thing? I didn't know anything about it. So why don't you share, Yosef, a little bit about what is Kabbalah for anybody who might be scratching their heads and saying, what is this that Jennifer is talking about? That's a great question. I think, I mean, there's so many things that Kabbalah really includes, but I guess we can really say that Kabbalah is a diverse spiritual wisdom that really dates back before time. It's the conditions and stipulations that were woven into the fabric of creation. And the Kabbalists over the years for dates back more than 4,000 years. And it is a biblically based study, but it talks about really the connection between the physical and the spiritual realm. And a lot of people 
it's like saying somebody created gravity, right? Nobody really created gravity. So there isn't really somebody who can take this wisdom and say, you know what, it's theirs, which is why the Kabbalists over the years have often given the credit to divine inspiration as they're revealing these wisdoms or these concepts that they are connected to. But really, in essence, it's about how to receive and expand our desire to receive more and more light in this world, more and more fulfillment in this world. Sometimes it's a little bit difficult to find out how to receive the most. I know when we talk about blessings or fulfillment in this world, people have all kinds of ways of chasing that and making that a goal of theirs. But when we talk about real, long-term fulfillment that can withstand the test of time, the test of space, the test of people, right? That becomes a little bit more difficult. And that's really what the wisdom of Kabbalah discusses. It discusses how to connect the physical experiences of life that we're all often eager to experience with the metaphysical longing desire for what we really want, like fulfillment and inspiration and joy and creativity and love and all of the intangibles that we're trying to achieve, how we can also achieve them through the physical experiences of life. I love it, Sachi. And that's funny is many years ago, I remember when I first started learning about this, I had this analogy that came to my mind. I remember being a little girl and playing Super Mario Brothers. And you need to know, though, the buttons to push. You can't just jump in a video game and sure, over trial and error and hundreds or thousands of times, you might be able to figure A, A, B captures the star, the coin or defeats the bad guy. And one of my favorite analogies to use is that when I learned Kabbalah, it was like somebody gave me the game book at how to win at the game of life. Like whether it's finding your soulmate, having more fulfillment, more creativity, whatever it looks like, prosperity, it's really all there in the wisdom encapsulated in these thousands and thousands of year old wisdom that have been passed down from generations. There's all kinds of tools, really. There isn't there isn't a shortage of any kind of tool, right? There is there's conscious awareness tools that you'll find in Kabbalah that will help you with, like you talk on this podcast, right? Consciousness and awakening consciousness and how we can become more aware of the different things that are influencing this world as well as the metaphysical world so that we can tap into more of that. There's precision tools, right? Tools that when you change their sequence, it changes the outcome. It changes how you'll experience and connect with that outcome. Tools that, for instance, precision tools are things like openings in the cosmos, windows in time, that if I tried to connect to that kind of energy in a different time of the year, it may not support me in the way that I think it will. For instance, if you try to plant a seed in the winter, it's not going to give you the environmental <laughs> support that it will be in the summer, right? There's all kinds of things that were woven into the fabric of creation that really available to us. It's really available to us. There's other tools like interpretive tools, things like dreams and astrology and where you need an interpretation, where there's all of these things have been aspects of the wisdom that the Kabbalists have discussed for thousands of years. And it's all there in a system given to each one of us to decode and decipher how to achieve the greatest fulfillment 
that this world is really offering to us, which is, I think it's an interesting point because we know at our core, we know at our core that our destiny is fulfillment. We know it. Each, one, each person in this world knows. It's why when you watch a movie, you don't wish for there to be not a happy ending. You wish for there to be a happy ending, right? When you're talking to somebody, you don't think about the most negative kinds of thoughts, especially around that person, unless there's been an encounter before that may create that. But the natural state of humanity is from a state of good to better. That's what we want. We want to experience more fulfillment, more joy, which is why there, no matter how much fulfillment or blessings we experience in life, we're always going to want more. Like a funny joke is like the iPhone 5 is not necessarily a good iPhone anymore. We think that there's so much better and so much more and we need to achieve more. It's going to be the constant of this world. The reason why we are constantly looking for more is because inside we have already tasted a little bit of that endless fulfillment that we're so deeply striving for. And it's our destiny too, which is why we're on the way to doing it. But the question is how? And that's really what the Kabbalists have discussed for thousands of years. And so, Sefi, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you for a moment. Please, please. <laughs> My nickname for him is Sefi, so we'll go back to Yosef. Yosef, one of the things that I can feel feel viscerally that our audience is in my ear right now saying is, yeah, but what about the suffering? What about children dying? What about wars? If we're designed, if from the beginning of time, we were designed to have this endless fulfillment, then why is there so much death, destruction, sadness? And how can we even begin to elevate above that? That's a, that's a very important question. And the Kabbalists do discuss that and talk a lot about that. I, as we're talking about it, I just want to preframe it. As we're talking about it here, this isn't necessarily the direct answer to every person going through a personal issue, but this is the general consciousness that the Kabbalists have about these kinds of things. So when, you know, for instance, you can learn a lot. What happened after? When you look at what takes place after something, when we're talking about the global and expansive macro view of this question. I'm going to answer it in a macro way, and then hopefully we can get to a place where we deduce the micro. But right, the macro, from the point of view of the macro, is when you look at something as big as mass genocides or difficult, very difficult things that take place in the world, even natural disasters, right? It's funny, right? Who is there to blame when there's a natural disaster? Who's responsible for it? Where did it come from? The only people that, the only force that we can link that to is God. But at the same time, where did that come from? And the Kabbalists explain that you can learn a lot from what happened after something. Or when you look at what takes place and you see where the chips have fallen. And for instance, it's almost as if, I guess we can, let's just pull on an example for what we're talking about. For instance, like the Holocaust, right? And there's many other kinds of things. But when we look at something like that, you may find, you may see that there is almost like a veil that's lifted after something like that in coming, obviously in years. And I know many people that were in the Holocaust and family members that were connected to the Holocaust. But we look at something like that after the fact and we start to see what takes place, right? There isn't a person's heart 
person's soul, a person's consciousness that doesn't go out and actually start emitting positivity to anybody that was in the Holocaust or anybody that was influenced by it. And it's almost as if there was a deep sense of love that was awakened in the world for everything that happened after that. For instance, natural disasters, right? When we hear about natural disasters in the world, what happens? It's almost as if there are charities created, there are funds created, the people come together, prayers are going out all over the world to those people. Even just one post on Instagram, Twitter, whatever, the whole world knows about it now. And it's almost as if there's a veil that has been lifted where this is where we would have been or we wanted to have been before that. And unfortunately, sometimes it takes that kind of a situation to remove the veil in order for the light, in order for the recalibration of destiny and consciousness to be reawakened and to be revealed. Like it's, for instance, when you put just a small situation, if you put your hand on a hot stove, right? Would you say that the fact that you feel pain is a good thing or not such a good thing? Good, because on the one hand, you're not going to get further harmed. You're going to be like, oh, okay, I might touch it for a second, a split second. It's, oh, that burns. And then I'm going to pull it away as opposed to leaving it on there and causing longer term damage. Right. So when we think about the macro aspect of what we're just talking about, because it's very difficult to talk about every individual situation, every person, which is why every person is going through their own process. And as we say, Kabbalistically, their own tikkun, their own journey of transformation. Everything that is taking place is a, re, a merciful recalibration. Sometimes it doesn't seem merciful, but it's a merciful recalibration to align us with that journey that will bring us more fulfillment. And if I can understand that right now, if I'm experiencing a, an adjustment of some sort along the way, I can see that I might be doing something that's not helpful to me, especially in my personal day-to-day -day life, which is why I'm not talking directly of directly through loss or the pain of loss. That's not really what I'm talking about exactly. But as it relates to the day-to-day -day painful situations that take place, if I can see that there is a shift and something's taking place, what I can deduce from that is there's an alignment happening. There's a realignment taking place. And if I can begin to ask the questions to realign me to where I want to be, I can truly achieve the proactive transformation that doesn't necessarily need to be followed by more pain. I love that, Sethi and Tat. You just hit on such a beautiful concept, which is the idea of being proactive versus reactive. I remember I used to teach this when I ran a recruiting company years ago. And I said, most of us in life and so many things, not just going in for a job interview, but we are reactive. We sit there and we wait for somebody to ask us a question rather than anticipating what the concerns are and forthcomingly delivering that information proactively. And I think it's a great analogy because before we get to a horrific event, something like the Holocaust or 9-11 or these horrible tragedies that have befallen all of us, whether it's a small thing or a huge global thing, there are these little knocks, these little just like tiny nudges. And I almost imagine that's like the universe, God, source, whatever you want to call it, just giving you like a little tap on your shoulder. Hey, Yosef, there's something or Jennifer, there's something I want you to work on. You're like, yeah, I'm busy. I got it. I got it. Right. And then you fast forward 
And then uh, it was funny. Actually, I heard somebody else saying something like this just in a podcast the other day. And it's and then next thing you know, the universe gives you a little nudge, like a little nudge. Hey, you're misaligned here. This is not your soulmate. This is not your dream career. This is not your purpose. And then the universe straight up knocks you over sometimes. And it can come in the form of divorce, loss, financial heartache, whatever it is. And yet all along, if we look back, we can actually see all of these little things that were being brought to our consciousness and awareness. And I think to your point, Sefi, what you've highlighted so beautifully is this idea of becoming proactive. God forbid that we do go through some sort of personal or global hardship that then allows us to become more vigilant, to be able to become more spiritually aware and conscientious and conscious around wow, how can I elevate? How can I do my part so I don't cause that sort of pain for myself or others again? Is that kind of what you're saying? Exactly. It's it's being in a state where we can run towards, I guess you can say, sometimes when there's an obstacle in front of us, that is really the most merciful recalibration so that we can become proactive, which is what you're saying. And in that case, the obstacle that's in the way is the way, right? When we lose sight of actually there, right? It's an important consciousness to have. When I'm, when I lose sight and I'm not, let's say I'm reactive to something. And because we all go through kinds of times where we react to things, where we jump to conclusions, where we judge or where we act with pride or control or try to manipulate situations. And all of those, according to the Kabbalists, is when I'm reacting because I'm feeling a lack and I'm really reacting to that lack. I'm feeling a sense of insecurity or uncertainty or doubt or fear. And then I may react to that lack. And when I, you and I do something to react to that lack, that's what we call reactive, right? What you're talking about, which is beautiful, it's the way that we really do away with the entire other system, which is the system of reactivity, the system of lack, the system of limitation is where we run towards our spiritual transformation. And that is, I guess we can say in our language in this world, the most loving, the most beneficial, the most limitless reality. And that's what we call proactive. It's running towards transformation, not necessarily feeling like, not operating from a belief system that things are always going to end bad and always going to be challenging, always going to take us in the wrong direction. When we operate from that point of view, we become jaded and we can't really be proactive. We can't run towards proactivity in the most powerful sense. So I think there's a lot of things that we're touching on, a lot of powerful things that we're, that we're sharing. But Right. When I feel reactive, just to sum it up, when I feel reactive to something and I feel or I have those thoughts within that come in and say something like, you have to do this, or thoughts like, you're never going to get another chance, or thoughts like, it's always going to be this way. Those are the thoughts that come in and take over to give me an inclination towards running to negativity. If I can know those thoughts and become clear with those thoughts, that is the negative energy or the opponent, as we call it in Kabbalah, and run towards, you know what? I'm not going to operate from lack. I'm not going to operate from limitations or fears or 
a self-fulfilling prophecy that I believe that I'm projecting because of an experience that I've had before. This is where we start to understand the difference between real reactive consciousness and proactive consciousness. So yeah, it's, it's operating from an abundant mindset versus a mindset of lack, really. Abundant mindset versus an, ab- versus an a mindset of lack. Yeah, and I think to take it back to the earlier analogy of the game, I remember one of the very first Kabbalah One classes I took many years ago, somebody had given the analogy of a soccer game. And they said it's that like this experience of us as human beings that we chose to actually have these hardships, these opportunities for our soul's involvement and unfoldment and growth in the same way that if I were playing a game of soccer and all I had was me kicking a ball in a net, there would be no game, right? There'd be no way to grow myself as a human being. And yet if you add the goalie, the moment you add that goalie in front of the soccer net, it becomes a real game, right? You have somebody blocking your kicks. And that, I remember my Kabbalistic teacher at the time said, that is our ego. That is the opponent, whatever you want to call it. And the most amazing part of all of that is that we put that goalie there to make this game called life a game worth playing so we're not just kicking the ball in a net for eternity. Because at some point we would lose our fulfillment or experience of joy from not overcoming something, which is, that's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing that we're discussing, I think, here, which is, and something that we can really, I think, hopefully for all of the listeners, if we can bring everything that we discussed into really just a one-liner, I guess you can say, is that we experienced everything. We had everything. As you said, we chose to come into this reality to experience a quote-unquote lack of everything so that we can become the creators of our own fulfillment and the creators of our own destiny, similar to that of the light that we're trying to achieve. But if we can get to this idea, it will really allow us to be the greatest co-creators of our life. Spiritual, spiritual effort will not necessarily lead to fulfillment, but spiritual effort is fulfillment. Whoa, whoa, whoa. say that again. Say that again. Spiritual effort will not necessarily lead to fulfillment, but spiritual effort is fulfillment. Which means if we can move our consciousness from an expectation, a destination, what I think is going to happen, where it's going to happen, who it's going to be from, how it's going to come out. If I can move my consciousness from there to, you know what? I really want to experience something that will expand my capacity to express effort. I want to put in more effort, right? So if I ask my question, if I ask that question in any fork in the road in life, any fork in the road in life, which one will help me to develop more spiritually and put more spiritual effort into this, right? Which is when we say spiritual effort, what does that really mean? It means the growing of an attribute within me that I know will support me, that I'm not necessarily strong at yet, that I'm not necessarily good at yet. I know will support me to be persevering. I know will support me to be kind when I don't necessarily want to be kind. So if I can take a situation where I'm at and I don't know where to go or what to do, right? Is opening this business going to help me to 
go beyond my fears is going on a third or fourth date going to help me to access a new reality, access a, an unlimited reality that I'm not necessarily, I've seen the past few experiences that a person may have gone through where they start to put red flags up in a relationship before there's any red flags there to be, right? before there's anything wrong with it, right? We start to create this, this problem that isn't necessarily there, which is why we're saying in all aspects of life, if my goal can become the effort as opposed to the destination that I'm trying to achieve, then I will be in line with the purpose that I came to, that I came to be in this world, regardless of who I am. If I can, yeah, people talk about this kind of idea as well, right? journey consciousness versus destination consciousness, right? There's, it's, it's very important to be in that kind of a state because otherwise I'll be focusing on trying to maintain or trying to hoard or trying to hold onto or trying to keep this desired outcome when really the greatest blessings that could be waiting for me are in this understanding where I want to expand effort. And if this is helping me to expand more effort, I can be, begin to achieve the purpose of why I came to this world, mm. which is not coincidentally the unique energy of this week, which I'm, which I'm sure we didn't come to, we didn't come to on purpose or by accident, but, but that's the unique energy of this week as well, is that when you prepare yourself and, and consciously get yourself ready to fight the battle or to go against your desire to your desire for immediate gratification, right? immediate fulfillment, then if you're ready to fight, then the situation will be given to you. You will be experiencing a level of fulfillment and joy that is really unlimited and unbound. You just helped me have an amazing breakthrough, Yosef. I'm so deeply grateful for this conversation. I always share very frankly and openly on the show, it's when you do the spiritual work, it's not that you don't have obstacles anymore. The obstacles might even get bigger. I was feeling pretty downtrodden this morning. I was like that character from Peanuts where you have the black cloud and it's not fair, it's tough, it's hard. And that's not normally who I am. But you know what? Sometimes we go through these phases and I can really see out of what you just shared, Yosef, that I had destination consciousness as opposed to journey consciousness. And in this last little bit of the time that we have in the show today, I would love for you to share, Yosef, about this beautiful energetic opening happening in about a week and a half or so for what the Kabbalists call Rosh Hashanah, which a lot of people mistakenly think is just a Jewish holiday. Yet really, it's this amazing opening in time. And one of the things, much like what I went through today that I've been sharing and doing PSAs with, with people in my community around is this idea that in the weeks leading up to this special date, which I believe is September 15th of 2023, depending on when you're listening to this episode, you can always look it up. And that we're going to be refaced with similar challenges that we've had before. And these challenges, just to Yosef's point, may seem insurmountable, yet with the right consciousness and the fortitude and the proactive nature, we have the ability then to completely transform our lives in the coming year. Do you want to touch on that before we wrap up today? For sure. There's, as Jennifer is sharing, there's a, as we said before, there's precision tools, which is like these windows in time. So there are these windows in time that are put into the fabric of creation 
Some of them are weekly connections, some of them are daily connections, some of them are monthly connections, some of them are yearly connections. So this Rosh Hashanah is a window in time that brings about a brand new energy. That is the opening in the cosmos where the light, the creator, higher power, whatever you want to call it, infused into the fabric of creation an opportunity to really spiritually and physically hit the reset button. Hit the reset button of where we're at and almost experience an entire lifetime in a year. We go through every single year, we experience a brand new lifetime, the Kabbalists share. And just to help you understand a little bit about what this time is that, it's funny, it's called Rosh Hashanah, and, which means the head of the year, but it's not in the head of the year of the English calendar. It's not in the beginning of the year in the Hebrew calendar. It's not in the beginning of any kind of year, which means, and the Kabbalists help us to understand this name that it's given is really about the energy that it's bringing about, not where it's placed in the calendar. So it's a brand new energy that regardless of who you are, regardless of what faith, regardless of what background, regardless of ethnicity, of anything, the Kabbalists share that there are these windows in time that the whole world is experiencing from. Experiencing a brand new energy that's coming in, brand new energy that's coming in. So the first six months of the year, from around the time of Passover, April, March, Passover until now Rosh Hashanah, which is the month of Libra, right? If you talk about the month of Aries until the month of Libra, astrologically, that is the time of the year where it's planting seeds time. You're just in a mode of planting seeds. You'll see that there is also, there may be a lot of things that happened in the last six months that you're like looking at yourself and being like, or looking at your life and being like, wow, I really, I got so afraid or I jumped to conclusions or it seemed like it was the end of the world. And as you begin to come closer to this time, which is from Libra onward, it's the manifestation months of the year. That's really where things are manifesting. Everything in these first six months, it's almost a test to see what seeds you plant. It's just a test. Which seeds are you going to plant when challenges happen, when blessings happen, how appreciative I am. All of these things are happening in the first six months to see what seeds we plant. Now, this next 30 days, right now, as we just started and just came out of the last month, right before we, we get to Rosh Hashanah, this is the last time to uproot negatively planted seeds oh. and, re and, and replace them with positively planted seeds which is why this is such an important and crucial time, according to the Kabbalists. You will have all kinds of things come up in this month that you may have not dealt with before. Challenges, difficulties, even blessings that may come into this month that are giving us a second chance at changing, evolving, transforming in the way that's in line with our soul. And our soul really is the most powerful, most profound, most direct pathway to our greatest fulfillment. That's what our soul is always running towards. So in these 30 days, all kinds of things will come up to ask you, how would you like to replace the negatively planted seeds that you may have planted in the past or that you may have planted because plant the seed, we are going to have to experience the fruits of that, of that seed. If we plant positive, we can experience positive. If we plant negative, it's just giving to us what we planted, right? 
And then these two days of Rosh Hashanah are basically where the beginning, I guess you can say it's, you know, when you do a math equation on a calculator and then you hit the equal sign, that equal sign, that's Rosh Hashanah, right? Rosh Hashanah is saying, you know what, this is the life or the energy and the strength and the consciousness and the awareness and the positivity that you are going to have in the coming year. We have tapped into that beginning energy and we are given all the strength that we need for the coming year. But it's dependent really on those two days. That's the window in time, depending on our awareness during that time, depending on our consciousness, depending on our tools, right? We're going to have a big international event that we're, that we're having on September 15th, as, as Jennifer mentioned, where we come together and we all as one unified consciousness plant the best year for ourselves. And that happens through consciousness. It happens through tools. It happens through sometimes food and gathering together around certain types of food. There's all these things that were woven into the fabric of creation that when we take advantage of them, it is like clicking a button on your phone and it's going to make an effect. It's going to change something. It's going to manifest a certain type of light. So I think, I think there's, a lot, there's a lot that we discussed there. But. Yeah, that's a beautiful invitation. In fact, you know what we'll do? For those of you who aren't aware, we do have a YouTube channel at Jennifer K. Hill. And what we'll do is we'll get this posted on the YouTube channel even before the episode airs on iTunes and all the other places, just so you have as much time as possible to get this consciousness in there. So we'll try to get that out this week, Yosef. And if people do want to connect with you or the Kabbalah Center, where would be a good place for people to do? They can go to Kabbalah.com. That's a great place to go. Everything is really there. And you'll see my name under one of the instructors there as well. And if you wanted to begin your Kabbalah journey, I guess you can say very similarly to how Jennifer began hers. She talked about the Kabbalah One course, which is really the beginner's course. Uh, online, you'll find information for that. You could just write in Kabbalah One and or on the, the front page, you'll see the Kabbalah One course being offered. But it's it was really awesome to be with all of you here. It was a pleasure to be with you, Jennifer, and share this space with you. And even if one person receives an illumination from this process, it was worth it. Yeah, I know this one person sitting over here definitely received something. So as always, I am so deeply grateful for your wisdom, the wisdom of the Kabbalah Center and what it took for Karen and the Rob to bring this wisdom to the world that had been concealed for so many centuries. And as a quick aside as well, I've shared this on many a show. The only podcast I listen to every week is called The Weekly Energy Boost which is produced by the Kabbalah Center and it's free. You can listen and it gives you much as if just gave us this beautiful forecast, not only for the coming few weeks, but the coming year. They also give you weekly forecasts to tell you about any spiritual speed bumps that you may encounter. So I am Jennifer K. Hill, CEO of OptiMatch, OM.app, and it is my privilege, my honor to get to bring you guests like the distinguished Yosef Gwenman who joined us today. So continue tuning in, sharing, and please keep your consciousness elevated and know that if something challenging is going on in your life or the life of a loved one, see if you can find the good in it for you or for the other person and to just hold a space that everyone is doing the best they can in every moment. And that includes you. Thank you for being here.
Thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of Regarding Consciousness with Jennifer K. Hill. We would love it if you would take a moment and write a review for us or rate us on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And if you'd like to stay in touch and find out about upcoming events with some of the amazing guests we've had on the show, like Deepak Chopra and other world thought leaders, feel free to join my email list at metabizics, M-E-T-A-B-I-Z-I-C-S dot com. Again, that's metabizics.com. And you can go ahead and join our email list there. Thanks so much. And we look forward to having you join us next week.